All right. Hello, Cabin One podcast fans. Uh, this is Addie. We are recording uh, solo, separate this week because we're in transition and we're not together. Um, so I am recording here from Las Vegas. Um, and I'm with a special guest. Welcome back to the podcast, Daniel. Glad to be back. Oh, we Glad love to be it. Back. So, I feel like I'm back at home. Yeah. 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 Cabin One is, after all, my home. So um, why don't you start us off by just telling people what we're doing in Las Vegas. We're in Vegas right now? Wait, what? We're in Las Vegas right now. Yeah, we are. Why the hell are we in Las Vegas? Uh, I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we are rock climbing in Las Vegas. Uh, for folks that don't know, Las Vegas is home to more than casinos. Uh, just outside of the city limits uh, are... Is the Red Rock Canyon? I think it's National Conservation Area, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's uh, world class rock climbing. People travel to this destination from quite literally around the world to climb uh, these mountains. There are thousands of thousands upon thousands of, of climbing routes here yeah. outside of Vegas. Yeah, and we're particularly stoked on the long climbs here. So we came to do some like multi pitching. Um, yeah, we, this was not the plan. We were in Bozeman chilling, mm-hmm. um, after me and Julia's trip to Bend and, uh, we were literally just climbing at the gym one day, I think. <laughs> and Daniel was like, we should go to Vegas. Yeah. 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 I had been thinking about it for a little while. Um, part of my, like, part of my, my profession, part of my career is how is like maintaining a. Uh, professional climbing log. Same with yourself, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I needed to add a couple extra climbs to the log. Um, and so while uh, Addie, Julia, and I were apart from one another, um, I was thinking, like, man, maybe we should go to Vegas. Maybe we should get, get down to Vegas and, and do some rock climbing. And um, I didn't really have any partners to do that with. And then all of a sudden, Addie and I were back uh, in each other's presence and yeah, made what the decision. A joy. Pulled the trigger. Yeah. Year. We're here. It was a good decision. I mean, the alternative was staying in Bozeman a couple extra days um, just to keep skiing a little and maybe, like, climb more of the gym. So, like, fitness was kind of the main thing for us um, in Bozeman. But, um, yeah, I'm really stoked to be in Red Rocks. Um, our plan for today was to climb um, a six-pitch uh mm-hmm classic ultra classic uh 5-8 trad called frogland um yeah daniel do you want to fill them in with what happened at frogland uh sure sure we so red rock is full of sandstone um and sandstone holds a lot of moisture when it gets wet uh and to become really fragile uh and so it can easily break which makes things unsafe it also uh breaks certain ethics within the climate community um being that we like are leaving permanent stars upon rock if we if we break that rock um and permanently altering the route uh and so when sandstone gets wet around here when it rains around here people stop climbing um and this morning it like drizzled where we were camping where we were sleeping um and we were thinking to ourselves like oh gosh you know that's that our our climbing day is hosed and we looked at the weather and we looked at the radars and we looked at everything really carefully and we realized like, oh, it doesn't actually look like it rained, you know, 15 miles away where this climb is. Um, 
And so we went out there, checked to see if things were wet or not, and the sand, the, the, the dirt on the ground was, was dry, and, um, uh, so there's also a website I'll add for anyone who's like into climbing. There's a and might come to Red Rocks. Really great website called Wet Rock Police. And there's like a timer from like the last time it rained. And according to Wet Rock Police this morning, it hadn't rained in the canyon in like 10 days. So we thought we were like, all right, things are dry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were thinking to ourselves like we can go out to the site, uh, and like on the way, assess if it's wet. And if it is, we just don't climb, right? It's it's all fine and dandy. So we go out there, things are really dry. Um, so we decide, okay, let's let's suit up, let's grab all of our gear, let's go out there. Um, we're hiking in, weather's looking great. Um, the dirt's really dry, the rock is really dry, um, things feel fine. Uh, so this sits pitch climb, this like seven hundred fifty foot rock climb, uh, probably gonna take us a few hours. Uh, we're saddled up. We're committed. Let's do this. And Eddie, uh, leaves the ground. She takes the first lead. Uh, and as she's going up, um, it begins to snow, you know, like <laughs> it starts to snow. Um, and this weather, this like weather system kind of rolls in on top of us. Uh, and none of the reports said that like this was coming. Um, yeah, it wasn't anywhere in any forecast. So, Eddie's like halfway up the of up the pitch, um, and a couple flurries come down. It's like okay, you know, if a collective six snowflakes fall on the rock, we're gonna be fine. Things are gonna be all right. Um, and as she continues to go up, it just like the weather just continues to develop, and um, she just hit the top, and we realize okay, like we we need to leave, we need to bail. Um, and the best way to do that for us was for me to follow the pitch um, and collect the protection that Addy used um, to, to climb the rock. Uh, and then once we were both at the top, we could rappel down. Um, yeah, we got down in two wraps. It was, like, relatively low bullshit, I would say, for, like, a bail. Like, like there was, a like, a minor fuckery, but, like, everything was totally safe. There was anchors for the first rappel and then like really good tat uh like slings left on a tree for the second one so so yeah we 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 said it was the it was not the multi-pitch adventure we wanted it was the multi-pitch adventure <laughs> we needed <laughs> so the multi-pitch did not go today we're gonna go back tomorrow and do it um and yeah we just ended up sport cragging at this place called the gun club which is a limestone crag um like 15 minutes from red rocks and that's a really good rainy day option um, like the sky is blue and everything was pretty much dry. It's just like there are these kind of squalls of snow moving around and it's just like not a good idea to be on sandstone or be up high. So we had a decent day. Uh, I think we had a great day. Cracking, yeah. I think it was actually like, you know, it's funny. You said it's not the, the multi-pitch adventure that we wanted. It was the multi-pitch adventure that we needed. Um, and it's the first day of our three-day climbing trip here True. in Red Rocks. True. Uh, and, you know, we went on this like... 30 to 40 minute hike to get to the base of the climb we climbed a pitch and then we hiked out had a bit of a little adventure digging yeah. down nothing <laughs> nothing crazy but but uh when things don't go to plan it gets a bit more engaging yeah um, but anyway as we were hiking out after getting some fitness in um, <laughs> uh we had like really great conversations about like the directions that each of us uh intend to, to move in and and like what we're wanting out of the 
the near to medium term future and things like that. And yeah. um, I think it was I think it's a really good. Uh, uh, I think it's a really good thing for us. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't trade those conversations for anything. And our plan is to climb Frogland tomorrow, um, and then another big thing the next day. And if both those things go, and we look back on this three day trip and like this how it went, it's a pretty good trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yes, we're like in this transition now. Like Vegas is our first stop, basically, and then Daniel and I are both driving back to North Carolina for our summer gig where we work together with Julia and Tom and and others so yeah and others the many many to come many others that you you will meet this uh, soon. meet soon um we do have some questions of the week and they're kind oh, of do we? they're kind of like good questions and they might get like deep so we can just go there and right, I think right that could take take things okay so um great first question is from Styles in North Love Carolina <laughs> Thank you, Styles. <laughs> Who has influenced each of you in your past few years in the outdoor industry? Mm. Great question. That is a good question. I feel like she tossed me this, so I would say her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. Styles is absolutely on my list, like uh, a big mentor for me at uh, um, our work. And I would say some other people that I can add to that list personally like people have really influenced me um I think about my trainers when I first came to um the school we work now like the two women that trained me on my new staff expedition like I still find myself looking back at like how they ran things and how they handled things and like lessons they taught me mm-hmm. um and also um my close friends mm-hmm. at base Daniel, Julia, Max, um, like, yeah, you guys, I'm sure we'll meet Max at some point on the pod. Absolutely. Yeah. The, like those folks are who I spent like so much time with this past year. And like, that's who we like, I do everything with and I process everything with and like work with and party with, like we just, <laughs> we just go through it together. And like my outdoor career, like is what it is because of the people I'm doing it with. So like yeah. those people. Yeah. And Spencer, um, Spencer's, oh yeah, Spencer's like uh, our mentor slash boss in the climbing world. Yeah. Um, and he's just like such a good dude, great friend and has definitely influenced my climbing career a lot. That is my answer. How about you? I think, uh, those are great answers and I, and I definitely intend on taking two of those from you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I would also say like my, my close friends have, have greatly impacted me in, my career here. Okay, a couple people come to mind. Okay, close friends. Go. Addie, Julia, Matt, duh. Let's go. Um, encouragement, uh, support, uh, uh, conversations on which we both grow through, or like we're in which all parties in the conversation grow. Um, so that's that's really that's really great. I attribute all that to to Addie, Matt, and Julia. Um, Spencer, um, we were here in Red Rocks a couple months ago, like three or four months ago, something yeah. like that, um, with Spencer along, alongside some others as well. Uh, and I remember I got to, I got to look at Spencer and really sincerely mean the words that I said to him in that, like, you know, Spence, I'm, 
I'm really happy to be learning from you. I'm really happy mm. that we are sharing the same place and time mm-hmm. and that I did to, to be under your mentorship. So true. Um, um, dude's incredibly competent and, and is not only is he competent, right? Um, he's in a position in which he has many opportunities to grant to those that are under his wing and we've received some of those opportunities totally. and it's been fantastic. It's been excellent to yep. grow as a climber under his wing. Totally. Um, Another person that comes to mind is uh, a woman named Taylor, who I worked a three-week course with. Mm, um, love her. She is is her instructional capacities are are vast. Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> uh, and he, Taylor exposed me to some experiential educational content. Um, and strategies and philosophies uh, that I wasn't aware of previously, and, and I got to see how those things work out. And she's given me some incredible feedback as I grow as, as an outdoor educator. Um, she's really creative. She's really creative. Um, I think about impactful pieces of feedback that I received, and um, one of them came from a woman named Weedy. Uh, shout out Weedy. Shout out Weedy. Um, on that same course, she was uh, uh, she was in a position in which she was kind of like double checking Taylor and I's work. She wasn't in the the field with us, but she was kind of like supporting from the outside um, as a as a well experienced individual. Um, and she came out to visit us about a week into the course, and I was giving her some some insight onto how things were going. She was asking, right, because she wanted to support us and, and whatnot. And she gave me some feedback about um, some student behaviors that I was having a challenging time um, uh, effectively responding to. And she gave me this feedback. Like, listen, when this, when this, when this student is, is pushing your buttons, just remember to respond to this behavior as opposed to react to this behavior. Mm. Um and that's something that really stuck with me. It became a bit of a mantra that just sort of elicited some mindfulness from me. Totally. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. That that thing about influential feedback is kind of a perfect segue to Styles part two of this question. Oh great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Styles is part two. Thank you, Styles. Uh in this question, what are experiences that have inspired you all to be better educators? Mm. That's a good ass question. That is a really good question. It's lovely of you to respond first. Yeah. All right, word. Um, I think something that stands out most recently and, like, dramatically was I instructed a semester course last fall. And that has been, like, a long-term goal of mine, um, like, as an, as an outdoor educator, is to work long courses. And, you know, just like life, it did not go the way I'd hoped and dreamed. And in a lot of ways, it was super challenging and I um, have so much stoke and, like, excitement to do it again this fall with, like, a totally different vision, totally different perspective, different, like, experience bringing to the table. Like, I, I literally finished that course and was, like, wiping my hands with it. And, like, two days later, I was like, I want to I do that again. I want to do that better. And really, like, like, most courses I instruct, I feel like, I learn things from and get excited to like apply them in the future. Um, 
And it also would be, I would be remiss. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't mention my like college program, my mm-hmm. degree. I took a mm-hmm. class in experience, experiential education my senior year. And oh my gosh, that shit put words to experiences I'd been having. And it was in that class that I realized like I want to be an impactful educator. Mm. Um, like I, there's meaning in that work and like that is what I want to do. So yeah, course itself inspires me. Academics inspire me. My friends inspire me. Like my co-instructors. Yeah, I'm just like love this work and mm-hmm. a lot of things make me want to do it better, I would say. Mm-hmm. But those are some highlights. Daniel, how about you? <laughs> mm. You and I have had a lot of conversations about this topic in particular, about, about being better outdoor educators and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think we have a lot of similar uh, perspectives on this work um, and a lot of similar like reasons for engaging in it. Mm-hmm. Um, when... I'm trying to be careful and not use the uh, names of yeah. my students. Uh, uh, I've had I've had some students that have gone as far as to write me letters um, talking about the the impact that I've had on them, mm. um, and that is incredibly rewarding. That feeling of 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 knowing that that. Or at least, you know, feeling as though that you've had an impact on somebody, it's, it's incredibly rewarding. It's really meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's funny that this is the question that's, that's up, because you know, even today we were talking about mm-hmm. um, sort of like what the future, we'd, we'd like the future to look like um, this upcoming season and whatnot of work. Um, And, and I can't help but, but be inspired by the feelings that I have felt of, of significance and meaningful uh, impact that this work has had on, on people. Um, and, like, I want to get better at that. You know what I mean? Totally. I want to get better at that. Yeah. Um, it's a worthy cause it's, to it, pour yourself into. I think... I can't think of anything else that I should spend my time doing or that I would want to spend my time doing. What yeah. else is there? You know, we're yeah. here for, we're here for eight decades and then we kick it and, and <laughs> like, like, what am I going to do? You know, like, yeah, that I want to do something that's, that's meaningful. And, and I think that this work is really meaningful. I love that. Um, that is also a perfect segue to our final question. Um, <sighs> Which, like, we talk about this work being meaningful meaningful and purposeful for us. Um, and, like, you can't, like, fully explain, like, the, the magic of what happens in the woods. But I think, um, like, an element of what we do that's, like, kind of underlying everything is that you, like, you learn from experience. And so our final question is from Rosie in North Carolina. Shout out, Rosie. Um, what's the most valuable life lesson you've learned um, up until... What's the most valuable life lesson you've learned up to this point while engaged in outdoor programming as either a leader or a participant? Mm. So this could go either way. 
personally, I mean, like, uh, fundamental underlying theme of compassion. Like, we could have a whole friggin' hour-long podcast trying to, like, begin to explain that whole thing. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, for me, I think the biggest takeaway from working in outdoor education is, like, is, uh, like, hearing other people's experiences um, and strengths and weaknesses and recognizing all that as valid and like Mm -hmm. being like being compassionate towards people who are different than me and um like just how to work in a team and resolve conflict and like communicate assertively like all of these all of these things like flow into a synergy that i think has helped me grow into a more like compassionate understanding um capable human being and I can we were talking about this earlier I can show up more for people in my life I can serve people my family my students my community because of these lessons so like that for me is like it that's the biggest takeaway is like how I show up for others and like yeah the medium is the outdoors and the tools are like you know soft skill development that's what I've gotten from outdoor programming oh lord we should do a whole podcast on this one yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right you take it away uh, should we keep, like, should we wrap? Should we try to... You just give your answer and then we'll wrap. Um, I'll try to, I'll keep it, like, as brief as I, as I... Say what you want. Would like to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so many lessons that I, I've learned through outdoor education, both mm-hmm. as a, both as an instructor and as a, as a participant. I'm sure you would feel the same. It's hard to, to pick one succinct thing that is, like, the, the... The best thing that I've that I've learned so far, um, but it but something that that feels close is certainly up there alongside some others is uh, that I'm capable. Mm. That I'm capable. Dude, yeah. Um, I started outdoor education and outdoor activity in general really when I was about a sophomore in college, um, and it's just it's just transformed my life. It's just transformed my life. And, and, you know, so, so perhaps the reason why, uh, is because I was imbued with a certain responsibility, Mm. um, at this young age, uh, I'm responsible with, with taking out, um, groups of individuals, uh, into the backcountry and engaging in technical activities and managing that risk, um, both physical and emotional and, and, alongside many other objectives that we do. But, you know, there's a responsibility there. Uh, and so you've got to develop some competencies to do that. Um, and watching myself become more competent in, in technical activities uh, in order to more effectively handle this responsibility Mm. Um, as well, and, and then seeing myself successfully handle that responsibility has has instilled within me a certain confidence. Totally, like of just that, like I'm capable. I can learn things. I can totally. I can transform who I am. Mm-hmm. I can change who I am and, and be a, a better version of myself. Yeah, and that's what that's, that's one of the things that we aim to do. That's friggin' gospel right there. <laughs> like that's what it is. That's the name of the game. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I can only, there's only so much to, to say in 24 minutes and yeah. not all of it revolves around 
technical competency and responsibility, but there are... Maybe you know, someday we'll do a pod on it. It'd be a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are really good questions. Um, so maybe Julia mentioned this in her part. Maybe she didn't. I'm not sure. I haven't listened to it yet. But we are taking, I think, two, maybe three weeks off because we're going to be separate. Um, Julia's back in North Carolina going home, visiting friends, and I'm going straight to base camp. And so we won't actually be together to record again um, for a bit. So just keep an eye on our Instagram at Cabin One Podcast, and we'll be posting when we're going to have more episodes. But um, for this week, this is what we got. Um, thanks, Daniel, for joining. Glad to do it. Special guest. Fun times. Yeah, heck yeah. So over and out from Vegas. So long.